We pick up this morning again in our sermon series on the Gospel of John that we started back after Easter, that we are going through the, the account of the life of Jesus in John's Gospel, and we are here coming towards the end of chapter 6. And the important context here, as we start in chapter 6, verse 41, is that at the beginning of the chapter, Jesus had miraculously fed a large crowd of people, over 5,000 people, with five small loaves of bread and two small fish. That he multiplied that food, feeding them, giving them life from that food. That a little bit later, when some people from this crowd came and met him in a synagogue in the town of Capernaum, he was teaching them, comparing what he had done for them with how God blessed the Israelites with the manna, the bread from heaven in the wilderness. And Jesus was saying that he is the true and better manna, that he is the bread of life that came down from heaven. Understandably, the Jewish people in the synagogue that day thought that was a rather bold claim of Jesus to make. And it was. And so today we see this continued interaction between the perplexed and kind of grumpy Jewish people and Jesus who keeps pressing the issue, insisting he is the bread of life. So I'd encourage you to open up your bulletins or the Bibles in front of you. And we're going to be in John chapter 6, verses 41 through 59. John chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 41. Hear the word of God. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, And they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. 
Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Let us pray. O Lord, we give thanks for your word. We thank you that you do speak to us. We thank you that Jesus came in the flesh and spoke to men and women. People who recorded down what he has said and preserved it faithfully for us by the power of your spirit. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God who speaks today through your written word, inspired by the spirit that is living and active. And even in passages that are confusing and weird like this one, we pray, O oh God, that you would speak to us. I pray, O oh God, that in spite of my own sinfulness, you would help me to proclaim your word faithfully and clearly. And I pray, O oh God, that you would give us open ears to hear, open hearts and minds to receive your word today as your word and that you would work in us as you have promised to do through your word and the spirit in Jesus name and for your glory. Amen. Looking this morning at this passage, I want us to to look at it by focusing on the two questions the Jews asked about Jesus. The first How can this man say, I came down from heaven? And the second, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Those are not necessarily bad questions. They're pretty good questions, actually. But they're only good questions if you ask them sincerely. And the Jews did not. They grumbled and disputed with one another, assuming Jesus was out of his mind. Had they actually brought these questions to Jesus, seeking an answer from him, they would have found that though his teaching is hard, he had good answers to their questions. So we're going to look at these two questions and try and ask them genuinely to get the good answers he provides here in the text. So the first question we find in verses 41 through 42. John tells us that the Jews were grumbling about Jesus in the synagogue because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. We saw Jesus say this in verse 33 and verse 35 earlier in chapter 6. And they find this saying of Jesus so absurd because they know Jesus. The Jews said, "Uh, isn't this Jesus? Joseph's son, right? We know his mom and dad. How how did he come down from heaven? What is he talking about? And this argument makes total sense. That Jesus is saying he came down from heaven, but he grew up in Nazareth. 
25 miles away from Capernaum. And people knew his family. They're like, yeah, that, that was your dad, Joseph. I knew him. Your mother, Mary. I've met her. I've met your brothers. That at one point, Jesus was a little kid playing with his friends. Later in life, he was a young, unmarried man who worked a trade and did business with people in the area. How can he say he came down from heaven? And so if you try to put yourself in the shoes of these Jewish men and women in the synagogue, they are staring at a man that Jesus is fully human. He has to eat and drink and sleep. He smells if he doesn't bathe. He yawns, he coughs, he sneezes, his feet get sore after walking a long time in his sandals. Jesus does not have a halo. He does not have glowing skin. He is not in cleaner clothes than everyone else, like all of the pictures throughout history depict. He's ordinary. And yet he's saying these outlandish things about coming down from heaven and being the bread of life, and you need to believe in me to have eternal life. And so what we see in this passage is the obstacle of the flesh to belief. That the flesh is an obstacle to belief in two ways. We see the obstacle of Jesus' flesh, that He's human, but there's also the obstacle of our sinful flesh. See, the Jews could not believe that someone so ordinary and earthy could possibly be the Messiah. They were waiting for a Messiah that would like fall out of the sky like Superman, just coming down with a big crater, and he'd be glowing, and he'd be a super strong warrior and charismatic. They wanted someone who was going to be what all their teachers were telling them the Messiah was going to be. But Jesus didn't fit those expectations. And so because of their own sinful flesh, they could not see that Jesus was truly the Messiah. They could not see that though Joseph was his earthly father, that Jesus had been miraculously conceived by the Holy Spirit in Mary. They couldn't see that he was fully God as well as fully man. They didn't see the strength of his perfect obedience to God's law. They didn't see his charisma was the gentle compassion towards weary sinners. And they didn't see that his teaching had authority that even their own teachers didn't have. They couldn't get past Jesus' fleshiness, that he's a real guy. That Jesus' flesh was not sinful, but, there, but his flesh was still an obstacle to their belief. And their flesh, like ours, is sinful, and it's an obstacle to our belief. Jesus explains that the flesh is an obstacle to belief because belief or faith is something that God does in us. That's what we read in verse 44. Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him, pulls him. So apart from God's divine intervention, we who live in the sinful flesh cannot believe Jesus. And Jesus tells us we need divine intervention, and he tells us it comes in the form of God's teaching. He says it is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. 
that everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Our Old Testament reading talked a little bit about this from Jeremiah 31. That there will be this kind of divine teaching that leads sinners to belief. That God writes His truth on our hearts so we see Jesus truly is who He says He is. So we can see that even though He's fully man, He's also fully God. That He is God in the flesh. And we see and believe that because God has revealed it to us, changing us by the power of His Word and His Spirit. And apart from that divine work, we stumble over this obstacle of Jesus' flesh because of our own flesh. The Jews in the synagogue could not see past His ordinary human nature. And people today are not all that different. People are more than willing to say, Jesus sounds like a great human teacher. He lived a good moral life and people follow Him and that's great. He was an excellent human, one of the best humans who have ever lived, and I'm glad you enjoy following his example. But they won't say he's God because how can someone be God and man? That just doesn't make sense. And we stumble over the flesh. We won't put our trust in him to save us from our sins. Others can stumble over the flesh by doubting that Jesus ever existed. They wrongly believe that the Bible's manuscripts have been so corrupted over time that the stories we read about are no different than the stories of Greek mythology and of Hercules, and that they're just fables made up. They doubt Jesus ever had flesh to begin with, and they stumble over the flesh. And these attitudes of unbelief should not surprise us. So Jesus tells us, No one can come unless the Father draws him. Flesh naturally disbelieves. John Calvin writes that we should not be surprised if many people refuse to embrace the gospel since no one is ever able of himself to come to Christ unless God first comes to him by his Spirit. I think many of us are tempted to discouragement when people don't come to faith. We want them to. We've tried to explain it. They get the gist of what we're trying to say. And they're like, nah, I don't think so. It's not for me. It's good for you. This passage tells us, do not be discouraged. Because that normally happens. But also don't be discouraged because God can break through that unbelief. God can and does draw people to Him through the Spirit. That He still works through the Holy Spirit to change hearts so that people believe in Jesus. You see, the Spirit works with the Word of God, whether that Word is preached by a pastor, whether it is taught to children by Sunday school teachers, or whether it is simply shared by a friend or loved one to someone else. See, to us, the flesh is a big obstacle. We can't break through that flesh, but that obstacle is easily surmounted by our mighty God who reveals the truth that Jesus did indeed come down to heaven for us to save us. And so that's how Jesus can say this. He is saying, I am the one who came down from heaven. And I get you guys are having trouble believing this, but I did we'll see some of them do end up believing. 
And so that obstacle of the flesh is what we see in that first question. How can he say this? What's going on? And then we see the second question in verse 52. As Jesus goes on, they're, they're ready. They're locked and loaded with the second question. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Again, totally fair question. And before we answer the really weird question that that is, we need to figure out why we're even talking about this. Verses 47 through 58 are dominated by two ideas. Eating and life. Eating and life. And hopefully, as humans, we can see why we would connect the ideas of eating and life. That we are creatures that get hungry and thirsty. And if we don't feed and drink and all that stuff, if we don't give ourselves what we need, we're going to die. There will be no life left. We need those things to keep giving us the energy to go on. We need food because it gives us life. But it only does so temporarily. We've got to eat again. I had breakfast and I'm like already hungry. I had two breakfasts and I'm already hungry. Like you just, you keep going. You need it all the time. And food only keeps us going so long. You see, eventually, no matter how often we eat or how much we eat, old age and sickness will get us and lead us to death. That's what Jesus tells us in verse 49, that though food leads to life, it doesn't do so perfectly. He says, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. That even though God miraculously provided bread from heaven for his people to eat and they ate it, they still died. The bread was literally sent from heaven and they ate it and they died. It couldn't give them eternal life. And so Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. I'm what you need. I am the true bread that came down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. That I am like bread, but better. That if anyone eats of this living bread, he will live forever. And then Jesus at the end of verse 51 says, And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And like that is the exact moment they lose their minds. The Jews have had enough. And we may also have been like, okay, I, I had you right, right until there, Jesus. I was good. But the cannibalism, I'm not okay with. That doesn't sound good. And it's absurd what he's saying. And I think to give the Jewish men and women in the synagogue that day credit, they realized Jesus was not saying, let me lay down on the table, get your forks and knives and have at me. That's not what he's saying. They could tell he's saying something deeper, which is why they grumble among themselves. How can this man say he gives us his flesh to eat? People don't do that. So why is Jesus talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood? Why would he use such gross imagery? Well, as a people that possess the whole Bible, our inclination is to directly apply these words to the Lord's Supper, to communion. In fact, believers all throughout history have done just that. 
that these verses in John 6 are a big reason why the Roman Catholic Church believes that the bread and the wine in their sacraments that they call the Mass, they they believe that the bread and the wine actually change into Jesus' literal flesh and literal blood. But I'm going to say that's not right. And I want to point to two simple reasons why Jesus is not speaking directly about the Lord's Supper. First, in this passage, Jesus only uses the word flesh. Whereas every other place in the Bible that talks about the Lord's Supper or the Last Supper, he says, this is my body. Every single other place, it's body, 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 body. Here, it's flesh. The language is different. Never do we read or hear a a pastor say, this is my flesh broken for you. That's not the words we use. Jesus is using different words, so there must be a difference here. So that's the first reason. The second reason is if Jesus is directly talking about the Lord's Supper, then verse 54 tells us we are saved when we eat and drink of this meal. Listen to verse 54. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. So if Jesus is talking directly about the Lord's Supper, he's saying, whoever you are, if you show up, you put this food in your mouth, you get eternal life. But our New Testament reading from Romans 2 in talking about circumcision describes that these rituals, these practices are not merely external. They need to be internal. That people were not saved by being circumcised. You're not saved by being baptized. That The Spirit must work in our hearts through these things. They are not magic. They do not have power in and of themselves. And so if Jesus is not directly talking about the Lord's Supper, what is he talking about? Because we really want this to talk about the Lord's Supper. It seems really close. Well, I want to compare verse 54 with verse 40. So 40 we stopped but I put them in the little sermon outline part of your bulletin right next to each other. So hear what they say. Verse 54 says this, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. And then verse 40 says this, everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. The exact same formula is there. The same pattern, the same order of words. It is whoever, blank, has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. He is showing us that he's saying the same thing. He is not showing us two different ways to eternal life, but the same way using different words. That eating his flesh and drinking his blood is the same thing as believing in him. He is saying, you eat my flesh by coming to me in faith. You're like, okay, pastor, then why is he saying this? Why wouldn't you just say verse 40 again? Why would you even talk about, is he, was this just a mess up? Did he just slip into cannibalistic language and realize too late this is a really bad idea? Like, what is going on? Well, he's talking about eating his flesh as food because we need Jesus is flesh and blood. We need them like we need food. 
We need a Savior that is very real flesh and blood. That only a Savior who is fully human can give us eternal life. And so Jesus wants them to see you need a human Savior. You don't need a Savior with superhuman strength like the mightiest warrior. You need a human Savior with the strength to perfectly obey the law, which I did. You don't need someone to show you the law. You need someone to do what you can't do because of your sinful flesh. Jesus obeyed the law in His flesh, resisting every temptation and living a perfect human life of righteousness that He can then complete and give us as a gift. He needed to be human to do that. But in giving us His righteousness, Jesus takes our sins on Himself Like the unblemished animals in the sacrifice that Israel offered, Jesus is our spotless sacrifice. He is the greater Lamb of God who is fully human and yet righteous. And He died in our place as a perfect substitute because He was human. The Lamb does not look like me. It is not tempted the same way I am tempted. It is perfect, but not morally perfect. But Christ was fully human. He is a perfect substitute for us. Suffering for our sins in the way we needed to suffer that we can be forgiven. And all of this was only possible because He came in the flesh. And so He says, I am giving you my flesh and my blood because that's what's needed for you to have eternal life. What is needed for you to be saved is my life in the flesh and blood. And so we feed on Him by trusting in what He did in the flesh to save us. That He is the true food and drink we need. That in taking Jesus, in trusting Him, we are given life greater than any food in this life can give us. For He has the power of life in Himself as He showed when He was raised on the third day and lives even today forever. And He can. He does give us this. He gives life to all who come to Him just like someone would set a table for hungry people to come and eat. And so this morning, we come to such a table at the Lord's Supper. But we don't come looking at the bread and the cup. They do not have power in themselves to give you eternal life. Instead, they are signs and seals of what does have that power, of Jesus Christ in the flesh. See, this table is a sign because it points beyond itself to the cross, to what Jesus sacrificed for us. And by coming to this table, we confess our continued need of Jesus to give us life and salvation, that in Him alone we are forgiven, in Him alone we are righteous and saved. And this table is a seal, like a stamp of authenticity, assuring us that if we trust Jesus, then we receive salvation just as surely as we come and we pick up our bread and our juice and taste it. For Jesus says, if anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. No matter who you are, no matter what's happened to you in your life, no matter what you're going through right now that is making you feel weary, Jesus invites you to the table and to Him. 
trusting that He is the very real Savior that offers you this salvation freely like a meal. Now I understand sometimes when I'm standing up here talking about this stuff and we're talking about bodies broken for you and blood shed for you, it can sound crazy. And it does. It's really hard to believe sometimes for some people. Jesus tells us that. He tells us that no one can come to me unless the Father sent me draws him. And so it's my prayer today that the Lord works through His Word and His Spirit to draw you to Him today. Hearing the good news of the Gospel. The good news of salvation in Christ so that any of you who are hungry and needing life may be filled with Jesus Christ, the bread of life. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we thank You that You give us this bread of life in Jesus. We thank You You give us these sacraments, these, these pictures, these things that we can do that point us back to Christ, that You give us grace through as we partake in faith. And we pray, O oh God, that You would help us to see Jesus. To see Jesus in the bread and the cup and to see that these elements point us back to Him. Lord, our hearts break when we believe this so deeply and those we love don't believe it. We are frustrated and devastated by the obstacle of the flesh. So God, we pray that You would work to draw people to You. I'm sure for each and every one of us, there is at least one, if not a handful or a busload of people that are on our hearts that we want You to draw to Jesus. And so we pray, O oh Lord, that You would draw them that You would bring them to You, that You would open their minds, that You would write the, Your law on their hearts and that You would save them in Christ. For this table is for them too. It is for all who see their need of Jesus Christ. Amen.